That part actor is the name of Frank Edwards' memoir, but he's selling himself short. Over a career of more than 60 years on stage and screen, the Carpety-based actors also had some lead and really memorable roles, alongside some disappointments, failed auditions, and having his scenes literally end up on the cutting room floor. As a jobbing actor, Frank's worked on Wallywood's biggest hits, including the Sir Peter Jackson blockbusters, though you won't always see his name in the credits. Decades earlier, he was there as demand for New Zealand stories took off in the 70s, and also made several hundred programmes for the Correspondence School and appeared in numerous TV ads. One of Frank's most recent appearances was in Celia Jasper's 2021 award-winning short film, Milk. The client, uh, did you want to try another account? (sighs) I've only got the one. Come and pay tomorrow? My pension day is not till next Tuesday. I'll uh, just take the bread. Take the milk as well and we'll sort it out later. No, no, no I couldn't do that. No. Anyway, black tea's not going to kill me, is it? <laughs> we'll put the YouTube link to the film on our webpage. If you haven't seen it, you really should. Frank, I wanted to start with the, the name of your memoir, Bit Part Actor. I, I went searching for a definition in Wikipedia, font of all knowledge. Uh, it says a bit part is a role in which there is no direct interaction with the principal actors and no more than five lines of dialogue. A bit part is higher than that of an extra and lower than that of a supporting actor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, this absolutely tickled me. But you've had some great roles in your time too. Yes, yes, I've been pretty lucky there, I think. Um, what have been some of the most memorable moments for you, bit part acting or as a lead actor, stage or screen? What are some of the most memorable ones? Oh, obviously, Foreskin's Lament was pretty uh, was was amazing because I'd just been at that stage sort of sacked from Television One, where I'd been writing close to home for a long time, and uh, nothing was sort of coming up on the uh, on the telephone or knocked on the door, and then um, John Reed offered me a part in. in in that, and, and and it was very successful in um, yeah, in Borskin's Lament. Yes, you played Kenny, the captain of the rugby team, and as, as you say in the book, critics saw it as a watershed in the history of New Zealand theatre. Borskin's Lament, such a powerful, powerful production, and yeah. and massively successful, wasn't it? I've forgotten it got transferred to the Opera House after That's Padding right. Out Circa. Yeah, we had yeah, we had two weeks at the Opera House, and uh, we have to six weeks at at Circa. And the, this is the old Circa too, by the way, in Harris Street, um, which is not there anymore. What was it about the play that you thought was so powerful? Well, I think it was just the right play at the right time because it was going through 1981 when the Springbok tour was here and uh, it, it, we were rehearsing while the um, game was cancelled in Hamilton against the South Africans. Look, let me take you back to your first paid gig. What was that? First paid gig? Um, that was the 1960s. That was in 1967. It was uh, Game for Five Players, um, which was recorded in, in Christchurch. It was, it was based on a, 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 sort of a, a sort of a gang. It was a, a bit of a touchy-feely sort of play. It, it was based on, a, on an actual m- murder there, um, where a few youths kicked an old man, an old homosexual, to death in the park. So it was sort of light like that, but not like that, if you know what I mean. It was sort of just based on that sort of incident. 
Now, you came into acting uh, self-taught. You write later in the book that you find it interesting to watch the younger generation at work, you know, because most of them have drama school training behind them. Um, and they, they study the subtext of the play to the nth degree, that sort of thing. But how did you get into it and why? I don't know, watching TV or listening to radio? Was it someone who inspired you? Did you want some attention? What what was it? Because there must have been oh, something probably, that sparked yeah, I wanted you. some attention. That's probably right. <laughs> so in those days, given, as you say, there wasn't drama school and that formal training, what was your preparation before you started auditioning? Well, there wasn't much to audition for for a start. I think in 1967, Television New Zealand, well, it wasn't called that, then it was NZBC, took the great step forward of deciding to produce drama, which was, of course, considered non-essential as a medium. So they did workshops in all the four centres up and down the country, and at the end of that, each one produced a play that was broadcast on, on television which was a pretty daring sort of concept then. That must have felt like an exciting time, you know, moving away from, I don't really like that phrase, cultural cringe, but wanting to see our our own stories on stage and screen. And you were right there at the heart of that. Yeah, just time and place, I think. You know, lucky person in the right place at the right time. What do you think people will best know you for? Oh, probably the, the last sort of... Um, last TVC, television commercial I did, which was um, a, a, a one for Waka Katahi. Road safety, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, You've done a few of those TVCs, and they're really a lifeline because, you know, you make it very clear this is not an easy way to make a living. So, and some of the TVCs you win, and some of them you lose out, and some of them you lose out to friends and colleagues and, and very good actors, but they've been right throughout your career. I mean, how would you describe your look? When you're reading for an audition, what's the sort of description that you'll go, actually, yep, that, that one's for me? I don't know. It's probably just something in the writing that, that, that ticks off um, with some sort of presence that you had, I've had um, in my own life, and so the two sort of things match. You say in the preface that this is a tale of how much time you spent chasing daydreams in your life when you might have been doing something useful. Yeah, I think so. Oh, really? I mean, do you have regrets? No, not regrets. It's just the way it was and what I sort of chased then, but I might have been chasing, yeah, chasing phantoms in the night or something else. What about the audition process? Because, you know, you give us quite an insight into auditions and, you know, I, I know that they can be tough, but some of them are particularly tough. That do you ever get used to the audition process? Uh, well, it's, it's learning the lines. I think is always the hard thing. I mean, there's plenty of references in the book to uh, times where I've lost lines or they've just gone dried up completely. It's not only learning how to say them, but the learning of the lines is a tough thing. And that moment of panic, perhaps particularly on stage, on live stage, you've had some moments over the years. Yeah, I think it's all right. It's easier in a stage play because there's usually someone to support you unless you're doing a great big long monologue. So what seems like a break in concentration may only be for a millisecond, but it seems like it's an hour. Whereas when a camera's sort of pointed on you, well, you can stop and rethink what you're doing and try and stammer through. But... Uh, yeah, you are sort of feeling, uh, there is a feeling of being rather alone in the world. 
1994 was an interesting year, Frank, for you because you wrote a stage play. I mean, you are a writer, written for stage and screen. So your play was called Spirit of the Spirit, a tale from Parihaka. And it, it was a runner-up in the Adam New Zealand Play Award competition in 1994. But having said that, the, the, uh, the writer who won that had a pretty spectacular script and one that you'd get to know really well. Yeah, that was funny, really, because I sort of missed out on the on the uh, writing prize. But next year, uh, at Circa, David Geary's um, play, The Learner's Stand, which was about shearing, sheep shearing, I was given the, the lead in that. So it was sort of a tit-for-tat uh, thing that I uh, missed out on one, one thing but gained something in the other one. What did it mean to you to be the lead? Because, as I say, you know, you've called your memoir bit player and you've had a lot of those roles, but, you know, you have been a lead. What was that like? It's just something you go through and you just do, and you just do it and you learn it and you just um, make sure you rehearse and are in good spirit and keep your head clear as much as possible. You had done a lot of work at um, Circa, but downstage also... What was your first production at uh, the Downstage, for the Downstage Company? Um, that was um, the Good Person of Sets one, which I had a nice little bit part in as a grandfather. Uh, it was sort of a, a look into the future in some ways, because uh, <laughs> uh, I was not a grandfather then. Well, it sounds like this play was quite fun for you as well, because you're acting older. I think you describe it as having the aid of silver hairspray and highlighted facial lines, a walking <laughs> stick and a limp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it was pretty obvious and pretty uh, simple in terms of its uh, characterisation. And that's a, that's Brecht's play, and directed by Phil Mann, who died just recently, sadly. So yeah, we're talking about the 1970s. Yeah, I was lucky to see Phil before he died. Um, we were quite close for a long time, but then we sort of grew apart and went in different directions. Inevitably, I was going to expect um, Shortland Street to pop up you know, a, a lifeline for so many of our actors over so long now. But you, yeah. that was a very interesting story, I thought, that audition process for the original role that you really had to think about because of the nature of it. Um, that was a wife, beat, wife beater. But you did audition for it, despite your concerns about it. I think even your agent was a bit concerned about it. So why, why go through with it if you had um, these sorts of issues with the role? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's uh, youth. In the end, they offered you a different role. What was that? Yeah, that was of an ambulance ambulance uh, driver, ambulance man, brought in to harry one of the girls who was uh, there, who was also an ambulance um, attendee. Did you enjoy your time on Shortland Street? In fact, I think they offered hated, you a, a, a... Hated it. Oh, did you? You hated it, yeah. Why? It was too hard. The turnaround was too fast. And they kept um, changing the scripts. You'd learn a, learn a part and then they'd give you a, 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 a rewrite of the scene a couple of days or maybe a week or, or less um, before it was uh, due to be recorded. And I was glad to get out of there. I was looking at um, your, your profile online and it said, I think it says literally hundreds of productions for the Correspondence School. Now, that you had a very long association with the Correspondence School and yeah. lots of filming. Um, yeah. How important was that time to you? Oh, very important because it was a regular job. Regular job, regular money, paid every every fortnight. That was great. 
What was your uh, formal title? Um, I was producer of the audio um, in the audio suite, making cassette programs that would go with the printed set. Uh, the printed set that was containing a fortnight's, approximately a fortnight's work for each student. By the policy of the of the correspondence school, each written set had to have a cassette tape um, correspondence with it. When you were when you were framing your memoir, Frank, and all of these experiences that you have, and some are laugh out loud, and you know some quite sad, really frustrating for you. You started us in Topo in nineteen ninety six. What what made that your logical starting point out of all of the experiences you've had over the years? That was a uh, decision made by the by the editor. He said, "Why don't I pull this one forward? Is it's because it's nice and light and 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 a little bit comical." Can you give us a short version of it? Well, just it was um, going up to Paramaremo to interview some people who were locked in the prison there, who were correspondence school students. And um, on the way up, there was a bit of a complication arising with the directions of how we were to get into the prison. And it was misinterpreted uh, by somebody who got the news of of this through um, a faulty digit in their telephone. It was a fax, sorry. And they got the he or she, I think it was a he, got uh, the idea that we were trying to break in, to, to a break out at, uh, at the Paramaremu prison. And, of course, there's nothing, nothing like that at all. Bit Part Actor by Frank Edwards is published by Wayfarer, an imprint of the Cuba Press.